0: Hi, guys, I'm Tasha Bishop, and you're listening to the Body Language Podcast. I was born with a condition called Maya Rokitansky Kusterhauser Syndrome, which basically means I was born without a womb or internal vagina. Oops, two minutes in, and I've already said the V word. It took me a long time to process my diagnosis, and for so many years, I felt like the odd one out. How do I exist as a woman in a world that deems my sexless, infertile body as useless? So, three years ago, I started a non-profit called The Pants Project, a feminist initiative using underwear as a symbol of strength and a catalyst for conversations about bodies. Launching The Pants Project made me realise something pretty revolutionary. We're all odd ones out. None of us fit the mould. So instead of changing ourselves, we're going to change the conversation. This weekly podcast comes from a personal place, bringing you a filter-free, intimate insight into all kinds of bodies that make up this world the way we talk about them, hide them, and ultimately how we come to value our imperfections in a society set on perfection. Bodies are more than the labels that categorise them. They are vessels for the stories we write on our journey through life. Welcome to Body Language, the podcast. Is holiday porn a thing? I do seem to spend most of my life scrolling through dreamy holiday destinations from our sponsors over at onthebeach.co.uk. I'm so happy to sponsor with these guys, particularly as they've been speaking out about the body struggles that so many of us deal with as part of their latest hashtag this bikini can campaign. According to their research, body confidence issues appear to be the most significant amongst young adults and with the highest rates in 18 to 24 year olds, closely followed by 25 to 34 year olds. Actually, a crazy 23% of people said that self consciousness around wearing swimwear in public can actually stop them from getting in the water on holiday. Whilst I definitely do relate to that feeling, it makes me really sad that we miss out on all the best holiday moments because of low body confidence. So it means a lot that we get the opportunity to try and change this conversation with the Body Language podcast. I genuinely couldn't have launched this without On The Beach's support, so a massive thank you to our wish-granting holiday fairies. Check them out by heading over to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language for more details. Today, on this week's Body Language podcast, we have a guest who is someone I'd probably most like to emulate. <laughs> She's the best friend of Lady Bird. She wrote the hit movie with the best sequel title in the world, Mamma Mia, here we go again. And she has a cat called Christmas. She is a writer, journalist, blogger, law-changing activist, the creator of two groundbreaking books, Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, which won the National Book Award in 2018. It's not okay to feel blue and other lies. She founded the Pink Protest in 2016, a feminist collective responsible for the hashtag free movement, Girls Wank 2 and End FGM. She is a graduate of the prestigious NYU and has overcome enormous difficulty to just be sitting here today. Continuously battling crippling PTSD, depression and anxiety, she has lived through disability and chronic pain, as well as facing significant bleach damage to her rainbow-hued barnet. (laughs) (laughs) Scarlett Curtis is the kindest, coolest person I've had the privilege of meeting since starting the Pants Project. She believed in me before anyone else did, and selflessly gave me the space to share my story over and over again. So today, it's quite special to be able to give her back some of that space and let people be in awe of her brilliance. We like to start with a little pop quiz to get things going, get us in the mood for some hardcore self-love. So this is a bit like one of those think-on-your-feet games. Finish this sentence. My relationship with my body is? Evolving. Hmm. If you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? It's okay. I know that's... I'm saying that a lot at the moment, but it is true. Yeah. What does self-care look like to you? Self-forgiveness, I think. mm I think I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> what is the most ridiculous myth or lie you've heard in relation to women's bodies? Oh, um, that you don't have a choice over
1: what you want to look like. Mm-hmm. We can come on to that later, but I think...
0: Okay. Yeah. When do you feel you're most content? When I'm
1: either with my friends or swimming in the sea is my favorite thing hmm.
0: what does the term hashtag body goals look like to you Ooh, like it should not exist yep <laughs> what is your biggest strength I think maybe being a good friend hmm. or
1: I I also the thing my dad says <laughs> is being a starter finisher
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is like our family phrase which just means when you start something you finish it
0: that's a really good one yeah it's that's kind really of my
1: um overriding goal is yeah. to be a to finisher
0: you know it's a bit like I, my mom used to love there was a mcdonald's advert and she used to love it every time it came on the tv she'd be like this is my favorite advert ever it was a guy and he would have to like come in early to like make the chicken nuggets and i think he always at the end of every advert he'd say every job is like a job worth doing or something like that or like oh, if it's a job that. like it's worth doing it And so it's kind of the same as like starting, finishing it, but she used to love that. Who is your body positive hero and why? Probably,
1: well, kind of my granny is one of my body positive heroes (laughs) because she is an 82-year-old nudist. You probably wouldn't want me to say this, but I doubt many of her friends listen to these podcasts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's an 80-year-old nudist. She has one boob and she's just always been... I've seen her naked more than I've seen myself naked. Really? She's like... That is so cool. coolest, most confident... Oh, no, not 82, sorry, 92. 92. Yeah. Sorry, I got my granny's age wrong. What a um, legend. Yeah, she's just amazing. She tap dances every week. She swims every day. She's That's so She's cool. amazing. Can she be my body body hero as Yes. Well? <laughs> I think she needs an Instagram account, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think she does. She can join Baddy Winkle. In exactly. The, in the granny she's sense. older
1: than Baddy Winkle.
0: Oh, my gosh. She needs to get on? What story does your body tell? Um, persistence. Mm. I like that word. Yeah. Finally, just because I'm a power pants underwear addict, what does your favourite pair of underwear look like?
1: I'm actually very big on pants, mostly big pants. Yeah. I only wear high-waisted underpants. Mm-hmm. And if possible, my pants would reach up to my elbows. <laughs> Not elbows, armpits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have some pairs that do, but... Wow, where do
0: you get those? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just like... Pretty so like, close. I'd have to cut off the, like, bottom of tights for that to work. I yeah. always feel like I pull tights up really high. Yeah,
1: I I mean, I've just love big pants. Yeah, tights I have that go up yeah. super high. And I wear a lot of just mm. because I love
0: the feeling of huge pants. Um, Let's move on to the first kind of cool topic. So... I know you told the story quite a few times on various different podcasts and in books, but just so that people understand what you have had to go through, can you tell us a little bit about what happened when your operation to cure your scoliosis went wrong? Yes. It's actually,
1: it's interesting you say that because I I feel like I've actually only just started talking about it really comfortably Mm. in the last year or so maybe, which is really good. It's so nice when you suddenly realise you can say something without feeling bad. So when I was 14, I had an operation for scoliosis, which had developed really quickly. Scoliosis normally develops, like, very fast because it happens during a growth spurt. So I'd never really known I had scoliosis up until, like, a week before my operation. It suddenly all happened. Yeah. And, yeah, it was meant to be a very standard operation. A lot of young girls have it. I mean, it's funny. I think now that, like, people know that I had it, I get so many messages from girls who have had awful experiences with scoliosis surgeries. Yeah. You know, it's a huge spinal surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think because it most often happens to young girls, they they make it seem like it's going to be... They kind of made it seem like I was my tonsils out. You yeah, know? like it's a really small routine. Exactly, and actually you're having your spine broken in 10 different places. Like, it's Whoa. huge. So I was actually quite excited because I, like, loved being sick off school. And what, what we now know is that something went wrong in that operation Mm. so well two things went wrong I have a problem with my enzymes
0: okay
1: apparently if you're a doctor don't call me on this (laughs) but this is what they told me when I was 15 and I've just said it ever since where I metabolize drugs too quickly okay so I woke up from the operation and I had I was on all this morphine as Mm. you are after operation I I could feel everything in my back and they were like no 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 like you're on based on heroin, like you can't feel yeah. anything. And I was like, I can feel everything. And what else we realized had happened years later was one of the screws in my back had basically just gone in too far. So I, you know, they say it will take you like six months to recover from the surgery fully and yeah. six, a month passed and then two months passed and three months passed and nothing was getting better. Yeah. And I could never relieve it because of this weird medication me- metabolism thing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So it was the next sort of three years of my life, basically, just never knowing what was wrong. I couldn't really walk. Um, And then after three years, they were like, oh, we're just going to do one more surgery and just check uh, if there's anything actually wrong. You know, after three years of like not believing that I was actually in pain. And I remember they made me make, the decision mm. which now looking back seems so weird. I remember making this chart and being like if that is the problem mm. and I have the surgery everything will be great. Mm. If that is the problem and I don't have the surgery I'll have this rest of my life. If mm. that's not the problem and I have the surgery it'll suck but I'll get over it. Yeah. And if that's not the problem I don't have the surgery it, it will go on forever as well. So yeah. eventually that square in the top left corner seemed like the best One option. So I had the operation like remember waking up and I just like knew it had gone but the hardest thing about the three years was they they did decide that it was in my head so they thought I was making up the pain and you know it took a long time to recover from that second operation but then I I was completely pain free so it was just very odd in all accounts going from in pain and then
0: completely pain free yeah I think obviously we have completely different situations but I can relate to doctors Telling you what you should know about your own body in yeah. terms of when I knew but I knew that there was something wrong with my body. I absolutely knew. And you always know you and know. you're <laughs> never wrong. It's like your that's own body. what's so annoying. And that's the thing is like when people really, really know that there's something wrong with their body, it just it, it drove me insane. And it makes you think you're mad. It makes you think you're insane. You're like, okay, well, maybe I am making it up after a while. And I think that's why lots of lots of people Ask me and I'm sure it's the same or well, similar for you they say like what was it like when you found out that there was something wrong mm. in the same way as probably what it was like when you had that relieving um, operation mm. it was almost relief in a weird way it was relief knowing that I was I wasn't insane That mm. there were, like I was sad about obviously the way that I was but it was relief how old were you when when you found out I was 16 yeah. Um, so it was like just before my GCSEs. And I think like the timing of it, and it's, just, it's like, it's the mm. same with you. I mean. Um, the
1: weird thing about me, and I, I sometimes think the reason I now talk about all this so much is is they still never really admitted it. I never had that moment when they kind of looked me in the eye and said. We're sorry. We're sorry. Because they were so worried about being sued. And, yeah. you know, in the end, my, we were told by a medical lawyer that it would, be so traumatic to try and it. sue and all yeah. of that I mean that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> yeah right. just but with me it was almost the reverse where like you know I would spent three years dreaming about what it would be like not to be in pain mm. and actually I hadn't even really let myself dream about it by the end I fully was preparing myself for a life of
0: pain. pain like yeah
1: you know and I was kind of fine with it like I was a very optimistic person and I was like it'll be great, I'll knit and have loads of cats and you know, yeah, it'll be fine actually the other day I, w- I found this scrapbook that I made when I was going in for the second operation and it's so sweet but it's like so sad and it's, you know, me writing all these lists of things I'm going to do when I'm out of pain and like all these Polaroids my made my mum take. I was a very annoying child. Uh, <laughs> so I was very pretentious to be that normal
0: teenager? <laughs> yes,
1: but I was... Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that whole thing of, like, oh, I'm going to mark every moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, I guess, what we're all doing on Instagram now. But um, <laughs> yeah. it was like it all hit me after, you know? And it was so hard not having that relief that I think I thought I was going to have. Yeah. But what you were saying about it not being the same, like, I now get... I get so many messages from girls who a lot who've been through scoliosis surgery and yeah. and it's been really hard and then just a lot of medical things and there is such a through line of not being believed of self-doubt of mm. misdiagnosis among women among young girls that I I do now realize that it's it's a very heartbreakingly universal thing what I went through yeah. and like I think why I love your writing so much and why your story resonated me so much is because like if I had found you when I was younger, it would have just changed everything. And we had that such was. different experiences. <laughs> but you know, it's like I, I didn't know any other sick kids, so I literally grew up constantly thinking that if I wasn't in pain, it was wrong, and if I was in pain, it was right. And the more pain I could be in, the better it was. And it sounds so, like, kind of, you know, whatever, but I still think to this day that is the mindset I live with of, yeah. like, I'm so bad at being comfortable, you know? I'm yeah. so bad at... If if something is painful, I push into it. Mm. And if it feels good, I pull away. And it's really hard to
0: ever escape that, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's a huge lesson to, to unlearn when yeah. you... You've known that your whole childhood, teenage existence. Totally. And it was like I got all my energy from the pain.
1: And also I, I decided to accept it. I was like, I'd spent three years trying to convince myself that, yeah, pain was good. And mm. like, this is your life now. Live with it.
0: I guess before and after your initial operation, mm. what was your relationship with the body like before the, before the initial operation? And how has it kind of changed afterwards?
1: I sometimes find it really hard to almost remember before.
0: Mm. I think
1: I'd always been quite confident. Yeah. I'd always sort of loved clothes and dressing up. I don't think I'd ever thought that much about my body. I just thought about, like, fun I could have with it. You know, I was like that girl that wore, like, tutus. And I mean, I still am. But my school had no uniform, which was tough, but also quite fun. We all would really get into, you know, dressing up and yeah. all of that. So I just—it was pretty regular teenage. Mm. Hadn't really thought that much. I was always kind of late to develop and quite yeah. small, but you know, it was all at girls' school. We just all kind of very eagerly comparing each other's boobs and like all <laughs> yeah. of that stuff. Because um, I remember at first, me and my mum would buy all these fancy pajamas and. Mm it was like we almost made fun of it and I was you know in bed in my nice pajamas and sort of plaiting my hair because that's what you have to do when you're in surgery and stuff yeah and then it just slowly like my body became this thing I hated and yeah. it felt almost like it was well firstly I was furious at it because mm. it was getting it wrong and you know it wasn't I think it felt like it was property of other people. Like
0: Mm.
1: everyone had an opinion on my body, you know, like, Mm. because we would just see so many different doctors and, and with all of them,
0: you have to, you know,
1: undress. And they look at you and it was my... It feels
0: so violating.
1: It's so violating. And I mean, you're, where you had your illness was so much more intimate, but it was like mine was my whole back. And it was, it felt like the whole like core of me was like rotting almost. Yeah. it was it was really hard and also I could never anything that touched my back for the whole three years felt like, like a million knives in my back. So I had to wear super baggy clothes for three years. And fourteen to seventeen is like, you know, the years when you wanna
0: Lunch showed off.
1: Totally. I so I remember me and my mum would just go to MS and buy size like thirty four T shirts and mm. you know, I was like a teenager, I was like a size eight or something. Yeah. And I still actually have everything in my closet and it's very weird to look back at. and But, yeah, so it was just, it was just all horrible and I actually remember this really sad thing where, like, at night, sometimes, because I also couldn't sleep,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: everyone, after my family had gone to sleep, I'd, like, put on my old clothes and it would, like, hurt like hell, but I would just want for, like, a minute to be wearing, like, a pink dress or something. Yeah so it just it was very i mean puberty's hard anyway Mm. and it was just a sort of really insane horrible puberty
0: yeah just a quick ad break to say that beach holiday specialist on the beach has revealed three pretty important steps to getting beach body ready number one put on your swimwear number two find a beach number three shine bright and feel fabulous Who would have thought in this day and age that anyone, no matter what they look like, could go to the beach and have a ball? I love that On The Beach are banishing the myth of having to get beach body ready, since over here on the Body Language podcast, I really believe that all bodies are beautiful. So dig that bikini out, go to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language and browse through their thousands of great holiday options suitable for every single body. you dye your hair crazy Mm. colours all the time and it's amazing, you're like a fabulous unicorn. (laughs) Um, And I saw your post about um, getting your nails done just before your your second surgery. Is those kind of small things, do they feel really empowering to you because you couldn't do that for so long? Totally, and I think, so that was definitely what it was like
1: when I was sick. And then Mm. afterwards, you know, I got really, really sad and I, I had sort of then almost two years worry couldn't really leave the house and during yes. that time again I was just really hating my body and mm. even though I wasn't in pain anymore I was just I felt so disconnected and like I didn't know this thing that I was in
0: yeah
1: stuff like that has always been sort of ridiculously important to me and I think I was ashamed of that for a while and it's like it's not that's yeah. always been my hobby like I remember sort of loving makeup before I loved mm. anything like yeah. I literally think it was probably my first passion yeah and during that time actually I got Very obsessed with watching makeup YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. and I think there was something in it of like watching these women sort of touch their face and like honor their. I don't know. It was very. I got very obsessed with it, and it felt very important.
0: There's something kind of ritualistic, totally about makeup. There is a huge ritual. Totally, it's so doing yourself up almost. Yeah, and it's to to
1: to do and so then I sort of made this real decision because. I felt so lost and I felt like, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have one item of clothing in my cupboard that wasn't linked to mm. either like feeling sick or feeling sad. Every time I looked in the mirror, I just saw this girl that had been sad and it was almost like it was part of my trauma. And yeah. I just remember I sort of started to make the decision of like, I'm just going to do things that make me happy to do with my body. So for me, that was. Wearing insane colours and mm. wearing tutus to school, and you know, dyeing my hair crazy colours. And like, I think I, I'm, and even like getting tattoos was a big part of that, yeah, you I know. Yeah, she
0: just about to say about yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And I think I'm starting to realise it was a really healing thing for me to mm. treat my body almost like a playground. Yeah. You know, I love tattoos. And I also think I, you know, I have this huge scar on my back. People say to you, like, you're marked forever. And I was like, I'm already marked forever. Yeah. You know, I can do it myself.
0: Oh my God, I have to show you this one now. Oh my God, I love that. This was meant to say clearly. I got it in France. (laughs) And the tattoo guy spelled it wrong. (laughs) He was, anyway, it was actually so funny. But I love it because, so my mum always used to sing the song I can see clearly now the rain is gone. And she always used to sing it when I was little and I actually like couldn't say clearly properly. So it actually is very serendipitous. I (laughs) absolutely love it. It's also like
1: so for anyone listening, <laughs> she showed me an incredible tattoo of a beautiful hand drawn rainbow, which I thought so clearly over it, but yeah, it I now realise it says Cleary. But there's something amazing about it because it's like you want things to be clear, but, but sometimes they're, they're not. Yeah, and um, it's okay just the yeah. way it is. I've got a wave tattoo on my finger that I clearly just like washed my hands too much, but it's half come off, <laughs> and it came off like immediately, mm. and. Uh, I always tell people, like, it's about, you know, the impermanence of time and ways. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nothing lasts forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've also got my mum's name on the back I of my arm. I love which that. I one. love. Is that's, that her signature or is it just no, kind of meant to No, her signature right is really ugly. So, oh. well, that's it's just a font. Um, and then I have a little cat, which I actually got, I feel comfortable saying this, I got matching with a boy that I was in love with who Aww. didn't love me back, but it reminds me of that time. Yeah. And also, I love cats still.
0: Um, earlier this year as part of your summer actually you did a 10k run in your power pants yes how did that make you feel to do something so kind of public that was so like revealed it was really
1: funny I I didn't really think about it because Mm -hmm. actually I think one of the sort of things I've had about my body over the last few years is just not think about it that much like I, I just don't I think about what I'm wearing. I think about mm-hmm. what my hair is like. I think about the things I can control. You know, mm-hmm. I've yeah. tried really hard to just be like, I actually can't control my body. So yeah. I'm just not really going to think about it. But then I, I realised the night before I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to actually be in my pants. Because yeah. I was like, actually, I, I don't, I'm actually just a bit of a prude. And like, I <laughs> yeah. don't, n- not that much to do with being self-conscious. I, I don't really take my clothes off that much. Like, yeah. then I got there and seeing all these women in their pants you know i I sometimes think i'm like you start to think you're really far along your feminist journey and i was like oh my god this is incredible and Mm. suddenly it was like so obvious that i wanted to be in my pants too and so we we all just did it in our pants i mean we walked it and uh we stopped for pret and (laughs) um got some sandwiches we just like We'd forgotten to prepare basically and yeah. realised all the people there had actually been preparing and so me, Grace and Honey very much walked it. But <laughs> it did feel incredible doing that and I've had this like tiny thing since which is I never used to wear crop tops to the gym. Mm. Again, because I'm a bit prude and since that day I now always wear a crop top to the gym. Really? And So that's been a real that nice... radical. It's been a radical <laughs> development in my in my prudish journey.
0: <laughs> well, I'm very happy for you.
1: And I've never felt my age and I've never felt like a very sort of sexual person and yeah yeah I've just been trying to experiment more I wore this have you seen euphoria I
0: haven't it is <laughs> on my watch list oh my god
1: it's amazing and I I wore this one of the girls in it wore these like trousers that had all these cutouts and I tried to find someone I, I wore I the other day yeah picture. it was like and it, was, <laughs> it was really silly but it was like a big moment for me wearing sort of a,
0: a vaguely sexy outfit <laughs> <laughs> I did think you looked amazing actually um one of the great loves of your life is Jamila Jamil. Yes. And obviously everyone here at the Body Language Podcast also loves her <laughs> and her way movement. It might be the most beautiful invention ever, but I remember reading one of your Instagram posts that talked about how she gave you a pair of seven-inch high heels when you were 15 and couldn't walk. And so what was it like to be given those heels at that time and do you still have them and do you walk around in them now? I definitely still have them. I still think I
1: can't walk in them. So I <laughs> absolutely never wear heels. But yeah, it was this it was I truly think it's like the most incredible thing in my life. But so I was fifteen and Jamila was on T four and she like met my dad at a party, some like yeah. comedy really, charity thing and Yeah. And um he used to do this thing where he told everyone my story because I think <laughs> it was like his way of coping was sort of telling everyone all my intimate details (laughs) yeah and so he was as usual telling it and she was like I have to come over so she came over and she would literally always she'd always be in the highest heels the shortest skirt Mm -hmm. so much eye makeup like her boobs all out she was like the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen in my life yeah and also she was on t4 at the time like it was the coolest thing of all time she has been through more than anyone I know Mm -hmm. like physically mentally it just everything and having someone in my life who had been through like 10 times worse than what i was going through and as well like you know i went through it with so much privilege with you know mm. all the doctors i wanted and and jamila didn't have that and and she had risen through it and not only got through it but become jamila like the yeah. most amazing yeah. human and it it was i genuinely think it was like the thing that kept me alive at that time and mm. And yeah, she'd just come every week and lie on my bed and give me like Haribo and high heels. And <laughs> um, and at that time, what was so what's so amazing, it, we became, you know, best friends and it, it was amazing. But she, neither of us were, were doing any feminism. Like, I don't even know if either of us knew what feminism was. <laughs> yeah. But I almost sometimes feel like I was her test subject. But watching her like reclaim that and mm. and on and give it to the world has just been like obviously the, the most amazing thing amazing beautiful
0: thing i do want to talk a little bit about body image and feminism a little bit more yes i was going to talk about um ask you about your kind of witchiness mm. because i feel like that's something you do practice yes i don't even know how to <laughs> say it exactly. <laughs> casting spells yes. and i do i feel like it's something it's something i've struggled with in the feminist activism kind of world is lots of women linking their power to fertility in terms of it being like a mother earth thing and I'm definitely all for like women finding power in whatever lifts them up but I struggle with feeling like almost left out of that community because I feel like I don't have that connection to Mm. mother earth because I don't have like periods and that kind of thing so do you think even within the feminist community we Give too much value to women's bodies as like being divine, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, when in actual fact, they're just kind of vessels that get us from like A to B. So interesting. Like, I'm so glad you're talking
1: about that. When I was at university, I did wrote this whole essay once on ecofeminism, which is like mm-hmm. really interesting subsection of the movement that kind of mostly happened in like the seventies and was quite like flash in the pan, yeah. in and out and actually it was quite mocked at the time mm-hmm. and the eco-feminist argument was very much this it was like women are more connected to the earth women are more affected and it is actually true that women across the world are more affected by natural yeah. disasters because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. affected by like chemicals because we use more and For sure. women are the ones in sort of eastern countries that Travel, whatever. Yeah, 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 and that's yeah, yeah. you can look into that if you want to look into yeah. it. But
0: <laughs> another
1: side of their argument was like, we Mother Earth, we have a mm. duty to protect the Earth, and they got huge, huge, uh, f- infighting from other feminists who were like, "This is wrong. Like,
0: yeah,
1: we we cannot say this." And yeah. you know, it's sort of actually taking down a lot of the feminist argument to mm-hmm. say that because the whole point is meant to be equal. And for me it's really complicated and I agree with you that like if you find power from something um go for it I think obviously not in the same way as you at all but you know I have a a very unwomanly body like I've never had boobs I've never had Mm. hips I don't even really have a bum Mm. like I you know have like 90% of my body is my arms and legs and Mm. then the rest is sort of like (laughs) just a little squish in the middle. Like
0: a sexy spider.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm a sexy spider, exactly. Um, And so I've actually often found that side of feminism has felt a bit like I don't fit in. Like when you see women sort of owning their very feminine body as a part of their feminism, that's something that has made me often feel quite like excluded. And I think within all all this work you know it's so funny because we talk about feminism but it's half the world like everyone has such a different Mm. understanding of it and I have recently gotten quite into like witchy stuff and crystals and actually I don't know how much it has to do with my feminism and I'm, I'm quite comfortable owning that like I just think all of this is us exploring, isn't it? And Mm. everyone's going to have a different understanding of it. I think I have quite, almost quite a basic understanding of feminism, which is like, for me, it just is equal rights. And it's much more to do with like laws and I'm much more interested in in the political side of it. Mm. So yeah, I think a big thing for me has been just accepting that I'm not, gonna feel at home in every aspect of this movement and that's okay. Like
0: yeah
1: I'll find my own bits. You know?
0: Yeah. I actually find that very comforting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and kind of final question I think before we move on to the second section is one of my favourite pieces of Feminist Don't Wear Pink is actually Lydia Wilson's Women's Bodies. She writes, underneath tons of the misogynistic practices in our culture are some cultural norms, values that legitimise oppressive behaviours. And then she goes on to list them, and one of them is the assumption that women's bodies belong to those observing them rather than to the women themselves. The unconscious categorising of women's bodies as public property. Do you think? there will ever be a time when women aren't objectified and are given back political and social control of their bodies. It's so hard, isn't it? I absolutely love that piece. And for
1: anyone who hasn't read it, I would recommend. And also just, Lady Wilson is an incredible
0: She's so actress cool. and
1: person. Yeah, I don't know. I really hope so. Mm. But I also think, I sometimes feel like we, I'm really obsessed with how much of, movements and social movements is to do with imagination like we don't know what that looks like yet yeah we don't know what women being women being not objectified free, looks yeah, like what looks we don't free. know what women being free looks like and i think a lot of what everyone in this movement does and has done throughout history is like try and imagine what, mm. what that is and, and how that works. and mm. I guess that feeds
0: into like utopianism
1: and stuff like that, doesn't totally, it? Totally, yeah. There's this amazing activist who describes, she actually describes, she's a big part of the Black Lives Matter movement, she's called Adrienne Marie Brown, and she says mm. like, this movement is science fiction because we're imagining a world where Black Lives Matter. And that to me is like a quote that just sticks with me constantly. Yeah, it's like, I never
0: thought... Yeah, it forward. is science fiction. Like, what does
1: a world when women aren't objectified look like? Yeah. Like, and and I think I struggle with it because also like, I think a lot of what's happening in the movement now is women reclaiming that objectifying mm. nature and being like, I'm going to dress really sexually and it's going to be for me and not for you. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, but I also don't know what the next step from that is. You know, is it that we're all I think a lot of feminists from history thought it was going to be us all going around in, like, baggy clothes and yeah. not wearing any makeup and yeah. not caring about our hair. But, like, what if we want to? And actually, mm. what if those are feminine qualities we choose to keep, yeah. you know? so And nurture, and nurture yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like... So the answer is, I don't know, but I, it's a really... <laughs> I think about it a lot and I think mm. we're all just experimenting yeah. with what that looks like. Absolutely,
0: So this part of the episode is called Vanity Planet in Print, and um, it's estimated that only 5% of women naturally possess the ideal body type portrayed by the media. Wow. Meaning that 95% of women are not represented, and media and family are reported to be the most influential factors of a person's body image. So for the second part of the podcast, we like to do some little exercises and games. Oh my god, I love this. This is on so many different pieces of paper, so I'm sorry if it's all a bit rustly. So we come up with like a different thing for each episode and yours is called rewrite the wrongs amazing and so i don't know if you have you heard of a i think they're an instagram account but they're called for no okay so it's, i think it's basically just an, a feminist editorial okay and they basically did a thing where they wanted people to rewrite really sexist headlines amazing so i'm gonna give you some of these and we're gonna read out do you want to read those ones there so yes on the left is the, like, original headline. Amazing. And on the right is, like, what it's been turned into. Okay. Do I read both? So if you start with the left one and then go to the right one, you can go first.
1: Makeup-free Jennifer Garner hides her enviable figure under dowdy slacks and shirts during coffee run in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, it's so mad that we're so used to that because it's ridiculous. I know. Um, women... And then this is the rewrite... Woman goes to get coffee doesn't consider it a priority that her outfit makes her look
0: sexually appealing for this task. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I think we can feel free to add lib as well if you want to come up with your own little come feminist up with my own. advice. Okay,
1: um, yeah, should I do to, another, one? another one? Hilary Duff shows off shapely legs in skin-tight jeans and towering wedges <laughs> as she takes son's, son's Luca to lunch. And then they rear-in as woman has legs. <laughs> you know what I would really like for this one yeah you know how whenever a man um looks after his kids people yeah. call it babysitting yeah because, because it's like such a
0: Unheard novel of thing, thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I think we should that should be rewritten it's like Hilary Duff babysits her kids <laughs> and it, like how amazing is she taking time off to take us into lunch
0: (laughs) i love that one you should definitely write Um, add that to your cv should i do one yes okay i love that the advert (laughs) the advert above this this is like a screenshot of a mail online article Mm -hmm. and the advert above it is a good looking man and it's a diet coke ad and it says hunk of the week (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Um, Okay, so this one is taking the plunge. Kate Hudson wears daring low-cut sequin jumpsuit to celebrate birthday with fiancé Matt Bellamy. And they've changed it to happy birthday, Kate Hudson. (laughs) Golden globe winner, mother, fiancé, daughter, person. Person, I love that. (laughs) Which I love a lot. These are amazing. I know, they're so funny, aren't they? Cara Santana shows off her bare back in split jumper as she steps out for lunch with fiancé Jesse Metcalf women had skin all along (laughs) oh my god it is so insane though it just it just
1: shows you and it's just the way especially with celebrities you know the way that we pick women apart is so again it's just you can't win i know you literally can't oh wait this one's quick it says "Is a picture of claire danes running and it says catch carrie if you can Homeland star Claire Danes displays her fit figure in tight exercise gear as she sweats it out during a grueling run. And I feel like you could change it to woman runs away from very inappropriate paparazzi (laughs) who invade people's personal space and should be called stalkers.
0: Yes, uh, I'm very much done for that one. Well, Scarlett, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank
1: Um, you so much for having me. And like, honestly, it's I feel so lucky to know you and I do feel like we have this sort of little feminist community now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And we've all just met online and like met through random events and I've loved it. And you're amazing.
0: Thanks everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye. That's it guys. Another fierce episode full of bold body language. Thanks to our partners over at onthebeach.co.uk. I couldn't have done this podcast without them. They share our passion to celebrate stories of self-acceptance and embrace how we can all take ownership of our bodies. For more details and to book your next holiday, check out onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language. Thank you for listening and shout out to On The Beach for being the game-changing holiday retailers this industry needs. And for all you listeners out there, I hope this made you feel like the sparkly starburst of a human that you are. But if it was difficult to listen to, please know that you're not alone. If you need help or advice, you'll find the relevant support links in this week's show notes. Hit the subscribe button. See you next week and may the power of pants be with you.